Hello, everybody. This is Pam Montgomery with the Organization of Nature Evolutionaries, and I'm so happy that you could join us today. We have a great presenter today, one, a dear friend of mine, Fern. And Fern is, um, and that's her real name, by the way, Fern Lickfield. And she's going to talk to us about the power of prayer. And we're going to have some wonderful discussion here about what does this actually mean? What's the, what's the role of prayer, especially in the middle of a crisis? And uh, which I would say, I think maybe that's what's happening with us. So um, does it make a difference? You know, what, what does it mean uh, with our to have a relationship with the divine in this way of, of being able to make prayer with it. So I'm extremely excited about this, this um, teleseminar today because I feel like it's so important right now for us to be tapping into that which is greater than us and drawing some strength and, um, you know, inner just kind of insight and, and, and just kind of um, putting our inner, inner self in balance. So... So let me just tell you a little bit about Fern. She, she's a web weaver, a fairy seer, a earth diviner, a temple tender, and a magical activist. And she's the director and the head teacher of the Green Mountain Druid School here in Vermont. And she also does ecstatic dance. And if you've never been to Fern's place, it is incredibly beautiful, very exquisite. The land just, it just, Things, this land, and she has a beautiful standing stone circle. Uh, it, it, it's just magic where where she lives. And so she's also a flower essence practitioner and a geomancer and a dowser, a dancer, a community organizer, a gardener, a medicine maker. So it just goes on and on, all that she does. So I'm just so excited that Fern is with us today, and she has so much to share with us. So, Fern, I'm going to turn this over to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Pam. It's wonderful to be a part of this awesome series. I feel really honored to be asked to do this. And, um, yeah, so I actually want to start us with a prayer today. So I'm going to sprinkle a couple of different of my favorite prayers throughout this talk just to give some examples of um, some inspiring prayers that we can work with. This one is by Ishpriya, who is a mystic. And um, I'm going to just ask us first to take some slow, centering breaths and just become a little more still and present and open, opening our hearts to these words. Oh, Holy One, I ran through the fields and gathered flowers of a thousand colors, and now I pour them out at your feet. Their beauty and their brightness shout for joy in your presence. You created the flowers of the fields and made each one far more lovely than all the skill of man could design. Accept my joy along with theirs this field of blossoms at your feet. O Holy One, as the wind flows through these flowers till they dance in the ecstasy of creation, send your spirit to blow through my being till I too bloom and dance with the fullness of your life. So, uh, some words to begin. 
And now I'm just going to share a little bit of my own story of my spiritual path, my her story uh, that has brought me to this place. And um, maybe some of these pieces will be things you resonate with as well. Uh, and then we're going to get into exploring more of the, the what, the how, the why, the when, the where of building our own powerful prayer practice. So a little about me. Um, like many of us Euro-Americans, I grew up here in a Christian family. My grandfather, Francis William Wickfield, was a bishop in the Episcopal Church. And um, by the time I was old enough to remember, he was mostly retired, but I remember him as a loving and pretty humorous grandfather. Um, and I gather that he was a very effective and generous leader, religious leader for his community. My family was really involved in the church growing up, and I was, I and my sisters were in the choir, and I became an altar girl. I found the rituals of the church pretty fascinating, but it never really felt spiritually at home there. I didn't feel God there. To me, the prayers and the rituals felt devoid of feeling, of passion and creativity. The prayers were recited with a monotone, and I just wasn't feeling connected. Um, I wasn't feeling connected to that form of God or to that form of worship. Um, and as soon as my parents allowed it, I stopped attending church. And that's not to say that I don't have some respect for the Episcopalian religion. I think that there's plenty of wonderful people involved, including my own family members. It's just not my path. And um, a little bit about what's happening now, which is really interesting. Um, the last few years in our country, the membership of churches across the board has been rapidly declining. And churches are really struggling right now, um, especially with COVID, to maintain their numbers. Um, and the age, the demographics of age are increasing, and the size of the churchgoers, the, the people who are coming, is decreasing. Um, yeah, so there's an interesting shift happening between, you know, this decrease in attendance at monotheistic patriarchal religious establishments, and this is now also being paired with a, a rapid increase in people who are following their own diverse and autonomous spiritual paths, including paganism and many other forms of earth-based spirituality. Um, we're remembering our authentic relationship to the divine and the great web of life, personally and collectively. And I really think this is hugely important in our shifting as we reclaim our power and our divine love and our agency for right relationship and reverence for all of life. So back to me, I'm, I've been walking a pagan path for about 25 years now, and the Druid path specifically for about 15. And in this time, I have learned and grown and deepened in experience with the support of my beloved teachers, my guides, my community, and this sacred land called Dreamland that's my home, it's my school, it's my partner, my sanctuary, and my co-creator. I love Druidry because there's so much room for personal interpretation, for meaning and crafting of that through our rituals and practices. There's no great book like the Bible that unites us. There's no savior. There's very little dogma. 
there are some consistencies in how we do ceremony and some core practices and principles that we would probably mostly agree with. There's also stories and lore that unites us with our ancestral traditions and to each other. My late husband, Ivan Macbeth, who founded the Green Mountain Druid Order, used to say, in quotes, you can believe in a god. You can believe in a goddess. You can believe in multiple gods. You can believe in Auntie Mabel. Or you can believe in nobody. All is welcome here as long as it harms none. No one druid can speak for another. So in that spirit, I'm now going to just speak a little more about my personal approach to the divine and to prayer. I'm primarily an animist. An animist is a person who, who honors and respects life as sacred and sees life moving through all things. I also have a really strong allegiance to the fairy folk, as well as some of the Tua de Danan, which are the old gods and goddesses of the Druids, of the Irish pantheon. My personal practice starts each morning with sitting meditation and then making my humble libation of warm tea with milk and honey, which are very much loved by the fairy folk. I have a special teacup and a saucer that I use for this. I walk out onto my front deck, take a deep breath, drop into my heart, and greet the new day with thanks and praise. I share my love, my gratitude, my blessings for my home, my ancestors, my guides, my gods, the spirits of the land, and for the great Mother Earth. Each morning, it's a little different based on what's most alive in my heart, what comes through spontaneously in the moment. Sometimes I sing. Sometimes I pray for my country and the world. Sometimes the circle of my prayer is closer and more intimate to me. I breathe my love into the tea and I place it on my outdoor altar. So here is another prayer. Sort of a prayer, sort of an invocation written by my friend and mentor, Orion Foxwood. It's called The Good Neighbors. And this is calling forth the presence and connection with our very kin in the other world. So for this one, I want you to imagine yourself standing outside in a magical place with your hand out in front of you, your palm down facing the earth. And just listen to these words as you imagine this. Good neighbors of the under realms awaken unto life. Ban the bane and bless our luck and banish blight and strife. Open now the ancient way of life in love with land. Open now the Hawthorne Road as we extend our hands. Lead us to the magic road and back in touch with thee. And we will know our kin by rock and cloud and sacred tree. We end this call with heartfelt breath and consecrated deed. Blessings to all by root and flower and wind-scattered seed. Blessings to all by root and flower and wind-scattered seed. Blessings to all by root and flower and wind-scattered seed. Mm. So shifting gears to speak a little bit about where we find ourselves today living in this multi-layered, extended crisis that's not going away anytime soon. This can bring up so much fear 
so much insecurity, grief, and loss. Our hearts go out to all the people we know and the people we imagine who are now getting very sick, people who are at serious risk of getting sick, those we know, those we love. Our hearts go out to those who have, lost, who have been lost in wildfires and earthquakes and hurricanes, whose children are still stuck in cages, who are systematically oppressed, who are kept in poverty and murdered just for being brown or black. There are many things to have great feeling about. The old structures are crumbling and our collective shadows are all out in the open, which is hard but necessary for transformation. We're seeing how wounded and lost we are as a race. We're in a major transformation, an initiation, and many of us are awakening. The thing about transformation is that it happens best when we're under pressure. We are not forced to change when things are comfortable. For better or worse, it's in these troubling times that many people are are called to prayer. It's often with a feeling of desperation, of worry, grief, and urgent need. I want you to imagine yourself as the goddess or the god, whatever it is that you see as divine, hearing from thousands, maybe millions of people who are praying right now out of desperation. People who maybe haven't prayed before but are jumping into this idea of prayer because they're, because they're scared, because they're lost, because they're grieving. And how do you think you would feel as this God receiving all of these fervent prayers when these people hadn't maybe had a deeper connection with you? Prayer is most effective when it is built on an established relationship, tended with care over time. And luckily, it's never too late to start. <laughs> so if you haven't already built a prayer practice, I hope to inspire you to proactively build one and to give you some thoughts to consider in this process. So I'm going to go through the what, the why, the where, the how bit by bit, and if you are inspired, you can take some notes, or you can just listen. And again, this is just from my perspective. This is one perspective amongst many. Um, take what works for you and leave the rest. So the first question is the what, and this is about what is your relationship to divinity? How do you describe that? Who is that for you? Is it everything? Are you an animist? Are there a particular god or goddess or multiplicity of deities that you work with? Is there just one god? Are there many different things that you see as divine? Do you work with the universal spirit that moves through all things? Some people find that too big to relate to. And that's why sometimes we create deities that have more of a human face, um, but actually represent some aspect of that greater divine. We are divine. We have the divine within us. Nature is divine. The earth is divine. The universe 
love, life. We can also connect to the divine through the ancestors, through the nature spirits, through the fair folk. The question I ask you is, who is it that you want to build sacred relationship with? And it doesn't have to be one thing. It can be many things. What is prayer? You know, when I think about my Christian um, background, prayer was really about acknowledging and honoring the power of this one deity and also asking for forgiveness for our sins. And um, that is that is one form of prayer that may or may not resonate with you. So for me, I think the best definition I, I have used for prayer is a divine dialogue. And when you think about dialogue, it's two ways. It's not just a human speaking and asking for um, benevolence or healing or blessing or whatever it may be, forgiveness um, from a deity, that it's actually a dialogue. That means that there are two beings speaking and listening. And this is something that I think that humans need to remember more often is the listening part. We're really good at talking and putting our energies and our wishes and hopes and prayers out there. But how often do we stop and listen for a response? So really building that in, the divine dialogue. Prayer is also can be considered an offering and a courtship, something that is a, a giving back, a way of building relationship by building energy and, and supporting something other than ourselves, feeding the holy, uh, devotion. Faith and love are other forms that prayer can, uh, energies that prayer can hold. Love is an incredibly powerful energy. And if we can drop into that when we're praying, we are already in a very good place for having effective prayer. Courtship. So think about, think about prayer as courting the divine. Think about what the divine would like to be fed with. What are the things that are divine to you? What are the ways that you can share that with something even greater than yourself? Now I'm going to drop into the why. Why do we pray? Well, I pray because... I want to share my gratitude and my praise for life because it is such an incredible gift to live and to have a home and to have food and to have health. It's an incredible gift to be alive even in these changing times because we have this opportunity to transform so much right now. It's an opportunity to remember our place in the great web of life it's an opportunity to practice right relationship, reciprocity, and reverence. Those are the magic three R's. I'm going to say that again because they're so good. Right relationship, reciprocity, and reverence. It is an opportunity to awaken ourselves as well as collectively. Prayer connects us across space and time to each other. It also helps us to both surrender and take responsibility for the greater life 
that we are a part of. Surrendering to what is and then taking responsibility through our prayer to feed that which we wish to be. In that way, it's a form of sacred activism. And when I think about sacred activism, which is also very connected for me with magic, I think about also co-creation because ultimately prayer can be a way where we connect with so much more than ourselves because so much of where we find ourselves today in these multi-layered crises is because humans forgot that we're connected to everything. And I know a lot of people listening to this are probably already aware of that and feel more connected maybe, but as a race, we disconnected from the rest of life and um, made a lot of choices that have become very destructive. And so co-creation brings us back into relationship with other beings as we create so that we're not just doing those things from a human ego desire. We're doing it from a collective magical space of creation with all of life. And prayer is one way we do that. The world and the universe is fed by our love, our admiration, and our appreciation. This is food for the spirits. So let it be authentic. Let it be heartfelt. Let it come spontaneously and with eloquence from your heart. Prayer can also be used to bless and to open. Blessing in a way of blessing, for example, the waters, blessing in sacred ceremony, blessing those who are in need of support or healing, and opening the way for spirit, meaning opening the channels so that we are feeling more connected and then helping others to open that. Because when we are connected in, in that aligned space with our vertical access to spirit and earth, we automatically make that more possible for those around us. If you're hearing some squealing, it's because my dog thinks it's dinner time, and it's not. So I'm just going to ignore him. <laughs> okay, so moving on is the how. How do we pray? So if you are no longer in a Christian tradition and um, opening up a prayer book and reading from that prayer book, you know, sometimes it can feel a little daunting to think about, well, what does this even mean for me now? Like, what's the authentic way for me to find my way with this? Uh, there are lots of ways, and that's the beauty of it. It's, um, there is no one way. It's, it's the way that feels authentic and beautiful to you. And when it's coming from that authentic place of beauty and inspiration, then it becomes spirit food. So I'm going to give some of the ways that I know of that work for me and those that I um, work with and play with and pray with and um, see which, which rings for you. So obviously there's words, the words of our prayers. And those words could be, you know, one of those ones um, similar. You've read a prayer and you've kept it because it really speaks to you and that's great, and maybe you even memorize some prayers that you have in your repertoire that you can pull out at any time, and that's also really wonderful. Also really beautiful to have your ability to open your mouth and be spontaneous and let it come through you. 
So finding your connection to your own inspiration, Drew is called at the Awen. And to open your channels to, re to receive and then give that eloquence and beauty from your words. Uh, so words is the most common way that we think about praying, but there are so many other ways as well. Uh, I already mentioned offerings, so I always combine my prayer with something that is actually a, a gift, um, offerings and libations. Um, song, for some, it's actually taking those words and making it into a melody and singing your prayers. And again, those can be chants that you already know that you pull out at certain occasions, but they can also be spontaneous. They can also be beyond words. Sometimes I find one of the things that my land loves is when I sit in a particular spot and I just let sound move through me. The shamanic practice is called full singing, and it's just sound. It's the sound and um, rhythm that comes in the moment, and it comes straight from the soul. So that's another really beautiful way to work with it. Uh, dance. Uh, uh, I am a dancer, and dance, the, one of the forms that I dance, it's called uh, ecstatic dance. It's also known as uh, five rhythms. Uh, Gabrielle Ross is the creator of this form, and she talks about it as sweating your prayers, and I love that. Um, for those who are very somatic in their way of expressing um, movement and um, dance is a beautiful way to connect with the divine through our bodies and getting out of our heads. Um, adornment, so prayer, especially when we're in ceremonial space, um, really taking the time to make yourself beautiful by putting on those things that feel sacred to you. And that might be even uh, a robe, or it could also be the way that you do your hair. There could be even um, body painting that can happen in certain ceremonies, um, adornment. So that's adornment of yourself. It can also be adornment of your altar. Yeah, let's see. What else have we got here in the how category? Just a reminder to take the time that's needed to drop from your head into your heart. And also to pause and create stillness and silence so that you can listen at least as much as you're speaking. It is a dialogue. So speak what you need to speak and then go quiet and listen. Also a good thing to shoot for, especially because humans have this long history of asking a lot with our prayers and taking a lot from the earth, that prayer is one way that we can give, that we can actually have a practice of giving back and refilling the well that we have been taking from. So give more than you ask for as a rule in your prayer practice. Give unconditionally. Give from your heart. Give gifts. Give libations. Give beauty. Give art. Whatever it is that comes through your hands that you make is a beautiful gift. And. Uh, yeah, and out loud, that's the other thing. Sometimes people, um, maybe if you're feeling a little shy or maybe you just don't have a lot of privacy, um, speaking out loud, if you have a chance to do that, even if it's a whisper, there's, a, there's something very magical and powerful that happens when you combine breath and sound. And actually, and the vibration of your sound that goes out into the room and into the world, 
that actually does add a fair bit of power to it rather than just um, speaking in your mind. Breath connects us to all of life and to spirit. And I also want to say that we can activate the inner divinity, the inner goddess and God inside of ourselves and, and pray from that place. And um, I have heard that there is a practice, uh, I believe it might be, trying to remember if it was um, uh, voodoo practice where it's called praying true. And um, basically it's sort of saying like this is already happening. So rather than asking for something, really accessing that divine creator within you and bringing it into manifestation by believing that it is true and that it is real and it is happening. And so there's a lot of empowerment in that approach to prayer. And it has a lot to do with really believing that you are divine and that you are a creator. Okay, so moving on to when. This is actually a really important thing to think about. A lot of people don't consider, or maybe you do. Maybe you have already a specific time in the day. Um, and so first of all, think about with your life and your schedule and your day-to-day -day responsibilities, what works best for you? Um, for a lot of people, it's first thing in the morning when we're fresh. And maybe before other people wake up, we can just get up a little bit early and have a little bit of quiet time with sacred in order to connect with, with the beginning of the day, with the rising of the sun. It's a very special time. doesn't have to be if that doesn't work for you. Some people like to choose a day of the week, like the Sabbath. You know, So if you have no time uh, during the week, but you have time on the weekends, you could choose at least a part of a day to really dedicate to sacred practice and to prayer. It can also be cyclic. So here we are at the dark moon, and that is a wonderful time to do special prayers and magic at the beginning of a new cycle. Uh, prayer can also be very spontaneous. For example, you're um, taking a walk and you find a special spot that really inspires you to connect and pray. Um, it might also be uh, a, a revolving kind of thing where you have uh, different beings and deities that you want to connect with, but you don't necessarily want to jump them all, push them all into one big pot and pray for them together. Uh, so you could have like a particular day of the week that you dedicate to a particular be deity or a different being that you're connecting with and have a revolving sort of date, um, a date practice with your, with your deity friends or with your whatever it is that's divine for you. And if that's a multiplicity to work in a, a revolving almost routine or schedule to work with that. I'm hearing a little bit of background noise. Anyone else hearing that? Uh, Fern, um, it's me. Can you hear me? I hear you, yes. Okay, um, the electric just went off here, so um, I need to... Uh, oh, there it is again. Oh, good, it's back. <laughs> okay, so um, I'll mute myself now so you don't hear my background noise. Sorry. Sorry about this. It, it's, we're having a storm, and everything just went off, and it may go off again, but hopefully not. But here, I'll mute myself so you don't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing great, by the way. I love everything you're saying. It's so awesome, and I'm getting inspired, and I'm taking notes. 
But, <laughs> but I'll be quiet now. I'll mute myself and be quiet. But, uh, yeah, the storm is raging out the door. Yeah. Well, so good time to pray, there. right, when the storm's raging? <laughs> please, yeah. please don't shut the electric off anymore, at least for another half hour. <laughs> okay, carry on. Thank you. Uh, yeah, wow. Well, the winds and the storms, they are being drunk to themselves. And this is actually, you're bringing up another thing that I hadn't thought of in, in, in the preparation of this talk, which is, um, uh, you know, that whole incredible thing that we call weather, which is very elemental and very alive and um, something that we can relate with and not just feel completely out of control of, although there are times when spirits of weather need to do their thing and we just have to sort of hang in there while they do. They have their purpose and they're often sweeping things clear for us and for the greater the greater web of um needing to clean and purify and um but yeah the weather is alive these are beings that we can connect with the um the elemental beings that make up the larger weather patterns we can connect with uh like the weather beings in the elemental world are called silks and they are often wild and they also can bring great inspiration and insight and playfulness to us they have many moods as you can imagine uh yeah, so where was I? We're getting back into, yes, I talked about the when. So thinking about your patterning and how best to approach your prayer practice and what's really realistic for you, you know. So I want you to to build something that feels accessible and um, something that you can follow through with and really build into a consistent practice. So don't don't create something that you can't follow through on. Start low, and if it feels good, you can always build upon that. Um, when I say start low, I mean just, you know, with a simple, maybe it doesn't take very long, maybe it's just a couple minutes in the morning um, or right before bed or whenever you can gather a little bit of time to get away and connect. Um, and it might feel so nourishing to you that you're excited to try and make more space for that in your life. Okay, now we're going to jump into the where, the where of prayer. And um, for me, I, even in the coldest part of winter and during storms sometimes, I actually find it very invigorating to go outside. Um, as Pam mentioned, I have, uh, I have a stone circle here. I also have a labyrinth and a fairy well. I have three temples that I tend here. And so those are places certainly that I spend a lot of time praying and connecting. Um, but I also just, you know, the, the, the easy short version for me in the morning is just to walk out onto my front porch. And that is um, really accessible to me. You know, I don't have to get dressed. I can just put my slippers on. And, um, and But I'm still out there. You know, I get the direct rays from that rising sun. I feel the temperature of the air and the the breeze of, of the wind on my skin and I'm just it's just that much more connected to be out there with the elements even if it's cold because it doesn't take long <laughs> necessarily um, and so being outside if that works for you and if it doesn't that's okay maybe you have a special altar space or sacred a sacred like temple room in your house that you work with um, but let it be accessible let it be supportive for your long-term success again and let it be beautiful something that really inspires you and connects you automatically and beauty is an important piece to all of this 
beauty to inspire us, to help us feel connected, and beauty as a way that we also give back, you know, by creating beauty through our eloquence, through our offerings, through our words, and our movements, our dance. Um, so find your spot, and again, it might be more than one spot. Maybe you have like your morning spot that's different from another spot that maybe you go for a Sabbath, like once a week, and a, a special spot that you can spend more time in. Um, so think about that. And those are those are the main considerations. Eventually, what we're building toward, or at least what I'm building toward, maybe you are too, is to really build this this feeling and this connection of prayer into every moment of our lives, and to become a walking prayer. And you know, we get to see this in some of our indigenous elders who are still seeped and steeped in these traditions where they really do walk in that sacred way every day. And it is something that for the most part, we have many of us of the European ancestry have been broken off from, broken off from our ancestral lands and our traditions through time and a lot of trauma. And so we're remembering, we have to do this step by step. And each day is a new opportunity to walk in prayer. And, you know, again, starting small and building upon that, knowing that the building is also nourishing yourself even as you are feeding the, the, the divine with your prayer. Um, and our effect as we get deeper into our own prayer practice is that we are co-creating with other beings as well, and we have an unlimited possibility for transformation, that this is actually incredibly powerful and that we can transform ourselves by tapping into our own divinity, and we can also transform everything we touch when we are in that tapped-in place. So my hope is that together we can build toward this tipping point of unifying love and healing. There's just so much separation in our country right now, and prayer is something that unifies and it heals. And so we can keep praying in our individual ways and really bit by bit, step by step, day by day, transforming everything. So I have another prayer that I want to share with you. And this is one, uh, this is a specifically Druid prayer that we end almost every ceremony with. And it's called the Prayer of Peace. And so for this one, I invite you to bring your hands into prayer position over your heart. And again, take some breaths. You might even press your thumbs in a little bit so that you can feel your heart beating. Take some breaths and again, finding your center. Deep in the still center, of my being, may I find peace. Quietly, in the silence of the grove, may I share peace. Gently, in the greater circle of humankind, may I radiate peace. See if you can feel that beautiful energy of peace in your heart, 
from that still center radiating and sharing it outward. Okay, so that actually is everything that I had hoped to cover. I was more efficient than I realized. So I want to um, bring it back to you, Pam, and to open it up if there's questions or whatever needs to happen next. Yes. Well, I just, again, I want to thank you so much for sharing this with us. It's such an important topic right now, and, and you hit on so many beautiful points that um, that are wonderful. So, yes, let's open this up. I mean, I have a couple uh, questions myself, but I want to open it up to um, all our folks here Um and the way that I know that you want to ask a question or make a comment as well is you need to press star five. And then what happens is a little hand goes up, and I know that um, you want to um, ask a question or make a comment, and then I will unmute you. So if you just do that now, we'll just give you a second to to do that and raise your hand. and um, And then you can... Ask Fern or make a comment. Uh, let's see. Okay, hang on. Here we go. All right. Um, Sissy, you're unmuted. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. You're on. Go for it. Hey, Fern. It's Sissy. I just Hi, wanted to thank. I just wanted to thank you for this. This was really wonderful, and I enjoyed hearing some of your other prayers that you do. Yeah. Mm. That was great. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Sissy, thank you for that. Is there anyone else? Okay, hang on here. Um, here we go. April. April, can you hear me? I can. Hi, Pam. Hi, Fern. Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. I just um, made me so happy. Um, and I have a comment and a question. Um, my first comment is, I love that you bring tea with milk and honey as a libation. <laughs> That's like my only um, real, completely all, always regular practice is have, having tea with milk and honey in the morning. And that's usually my little meditation time. So now I'm going to also add to it the offering part, and that will feel so beautiful. I love it. Because that is the only thing that is, you know, I really do regularly. Um, so that's beautiful, and thank you for that. Mm -hmm. then I, <laughs> and then um, I wanted to. Before we close, if you would repeat that each prayer, because I was um, really doing it and I didn't write it down, but I wanted to remember it and, and take that in as a practice. But um, before yeah. that, my question also was um, about the weather things and prayer around that, because um, I just recently sort of heard, you know, about prayers or been involved in prayers concerning weather and drought and the fires and things like that. Yeah. 
So anything to offer around that kind of prayer, um, Mm -hmm. any any help in in that kind kind of prayer? I'd love any comments. Yeah, yeah, it's a, um, the approach is similar in the sense that um, oftentimes, as I had mentioned earlier with, uh, you know, desperation bringing people to make a connection for the first time, that's often the case with storms and hurricanes that are very dangerous for people where they start praying to the weather for the first time. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, that's okay, but it's usually, like like everything else, it's so much more effective when we've already got a relationship before the crisis happens. So if you think you'd like to make a connection with weather spirits, start before the storm. Um, and uh, Nan Moss, who is of the Center for Shamanic Studies, wrote a beautiful book and teaches courses in weather shamanism. I've taken um, some of her courses and I have her book and I highly recommend that as a starter. You can just read her book for starters and then if you want to maybe study with her, but it's just called Weather Shamanism by Nan Moss. And it's a beautiful approach because it's not about trying to control anything. It's about dancing with the weather. It's about making relationship and mutual respectful connection. And through that, the weather spirits, like most spirits that are approached with respect, are very compassionate and willing to hear us. But, you know, if there's no baseline relationship, it's not going to work as well. <laughs> so, um, so that's my recommendation on that one. And um, I'll, I'll, I will speak the, uh, it was a prayer of peace you wanted to hear again? Yes. Okay. So it's only three lines, and here's how it goes. Deep in the still center of my being, may I find peace. Quietly in the silence of the grove, may I share peace. Gently in the greater circle of humankind, may I radiate peace. Okay, I got it written down, and I'm going to take that into my heart and memorize that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, April. Okay, so we have one more here. Um, Trish, can you hear me? Hello. Trish, yes. Yes, yes. Hi, Fern. My name is Trish O'Kane. Thank you for um, this beautiful presentation. I wanted to ask two questions. First, where the second prayer that you read came from, the prayer um, that ha that has the line about the wind-scattered seed. And second of all, <laughs> What prayer books do you recommend? Okay, so that prayer is called The Good Neighbors, and it is by Orion Foxwood, who um, I'm not sure if it's published anywhere. Um, I learned it directly from him, and it's probably going to come out in one of his books. He, he's, he's always writing books, so I imagine it's going to come out eventually, but that's, um, that is something that I memorized because as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, that one speaks directly to my soul. <laughs> and um, yeah, 
So I, I host him here a couple times a year. Um, he teaches fairy seership, and uh, he, he often can't remember it, so he asked me to recite it for him. <laughs> but anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful one, and um, you're welcome to email me, and I can I can share it with you that way. Thank you. Welcome. And and can you recommend any prayer books? Oh, yeah, I, I knew there was another question. Prayer book. Um, I don't really have prayer books. I have a lot of poetry books. Yeah. And, you know, there's a fine there's a fine line between them sometimes. And so sometimes I will just have you know a poem that feels like a prayer, and I'll work with that. But more often, I'm actually just opening my mouth, and whatever comes out comes out. Um, or yeah, or it's something I've already memorized. So I don't have a, a lot of prayer books actually. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, Fern, may I jump in here? Um, I believe that John O'Donohue has some prayer, has a prayer book, or um, he certainly yeah. has prayers. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. Yep. So do you know yeah, of him, he, Trish, yeah. John O'Donohue? I have two of his books. Love okay. John O'Donohue. Thank you. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think of them, yeah, it's sort of a, one of those, like, on the line between poetry and blessing and prayer, but yes, absolutely could be used that way. Thank you, Trish. Do you, did you have anything else? No, that's it. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks. Okay, anyone else have a question or comment for Fern? Alicia, I thought I saw your hand up a while back. Have you decided against it now? <laughs> oh, there she is. See, I encouraged her. Okay, Alicia, can you hear me? <laughs> Hi, Pam. Hi, Pam. Hi, Fern. Hi. Um, well, it's been really um, awesome to listen to you today, Fern. And the reason that I was thinking to ask you a question is that um, – one right now has a program that they're doing called Decolonizing Ancestral Memories. And it feels like what you're bringing forward with, you know, the earth-based prayer and the remembering our earth people ways with um, this druid path, like really speaks to that program that we're doing. And so I was really curious if um, there are some resources you can offer for people trying to especially remember and reassemble, you know, their European roots or people want to get in touch with you later, if they want to come to Green Mountain, mm -hmm. you know, if you have some things to offer in that way. Yeah, thank you. Um, I am actually going to be one of the uh, several speakers of a uh, group called European Roots that's very much about that, bringing in different speakers of different European traditions um, to help us sort of piece that back together. And um, But I, I think I heard that that course is now full, so I can't offer that one. Um, but yeah, I do offer home study as well as, well, assuming that um, uh, we can gather back at least outdoors come spring. Uh, I host trainings here at Dreamland. And uh, the greenmountaindruidorder.org is the uh, website. And uh, 
Uh, you're welcome to check that out and see if any of our programs are of interest. The home study course is ongoing. People can sign up at any time. There's different options, some of which are more um, group and online grove and pacing together, and then others are much more solitary and self-paced. And so um, we're trying to meet all the different needs financially as well as time-wise for different different people. And uh, yeah, so there's that. And um, and I know there's there's lots of other good people out there doing um, doing work as far as you know, just exploring ancestry and um, finding those connections. And um, trying to think off the top of my head, you know, some of the other Druid orders certainly that do home study courses. Um, Obad is the largest Druid order in the world, and that's the one that um, my husband Ivan trained with before he came to this country. Um, the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids is what OBAD stands for. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have a very good online uh, course as well. Um, and yeah, and then there's the uh, Anglesey Order. They have, a home, they have a home study course too. That, that's a Welsh form of Druidry. Um, Yeah, and I'm thinking mostly Druids because that's the world I walk in, but there's probably lots of other ancestral <laughs> European traditions that you can look into as well. <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's Druid. It's, it's what we're interested in right now because we're talking to you. And I had a hard time getting in, so I missed the first few minutes. So excuse me if you already went over this, but um, what's just the, um, like, what's the, the core, um, um, walking a Druid path, and like, where did it really, do you know where it really originated? Does anybody really know? Center and how the lineage has come forward to today? I'm having a little bit of a hard time hearing you. Um, was, was the question about where does it come from and how did it get here? <laughs> More or less, yeah, but I'm sorry, just like Pam, I'm in a high wind area right now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so so Druidry is is quite ancient, um, and some of the older strands that we can still follow back um, are primarily Irish and Welsh forms of Druidry. Um, it was throughout the Celtic lands, um, and you know, like many of the pagan traditions, had to go underground because it wasn't safe with the Holy Roman Empire. Um, so. So there's been a lot that has been lost, especially as it was an oral tradition, and many of the people who carried those um, wisdoms were killed um, or forced underground in ways that they weren't able to share those things. And um, But luckily, some of the stories and some of the lore and um, traditions did carry through. And uh, you know, it's, it's still quite alive and well today. It's expanding, if anything. And um, you know, because we've we've gone global because we have traveled so much from those original places all over the world, and so there's druids everywhere now. <laughs> and um, and you know, for I, I can again, I can only speak for myself as a druid. I can't say what anyone else practices, but um, but what we're trying to do here is to really listen to our local landscape because this is an earth-based tradition and yes there is the ancestral lineage that we want to honor that comes down from 
those places and times that uh, it originates in, but it's also very much a living tradition, meaning that we need to listen to what's alive here and now. You know, and we have such a strong connection to the trees that we're always paying attention. Okay, so like, you know, the trees in Vermont, maybe half of those have close relatives in the British Isles, but a lot of them don't. And so how do we transcribe those systems that are involved with the trees to, to these trees? Because these are the ones that we're living with. This is the landscape that we're speaking with. And so, and you know, the times that we're in now too, about, you know, how do we show up as Druids now in this world? Um, you know, traditionally we are peacekeepers and we are people who, um, you know, originally might have even held something akin to the justice system. And uh, so, so and astrologers and, you know, wise, wise people and healers of many kinds. So, so we do show up in a lot of different ways, um, in similar ways and also in different ways now because of just the times that we live in and the place that we live. So it is evolving and um, uh, changing all the time. You know, like I, I've been really paying attention to this, the importance of the whole Black Lives Matter um, movement and thinking about the ways in which I can incorporate more of those teachings into our Druid school. And we're, we're actively incorporating lessons and activities that help us start to think about those things as well and also healing of the ancestral traumas that, you know, began back in Europe that have been brought to this country. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways that we can continue to tap into the old streams as well as the new ones. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I hear you, like, bringing forward the wisdom of that ancient need, like, and communicating with the trees and things where you are. Yeah. And I'm really interested, um, and I promise these are my last two questions, but so interesting for me. <laughs> um, how, <laughs> how, if there's a special way that you honor the, like, the ancestors of the land, you know, that's here on now, because certainly for many of us, this is not our ancestral land that we're living on. And then I'm really wondering if Druid is grounded and rooted in a particular language. In a particular language, is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. So again, I'm I'm trying to piece together. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Um, so the first question is how do how do I honor the ancestors of this land? Okay. Um, well, I speak. I speak to them in almost every ceremony and in my own prayer practice. I acknowledge them and honor them and think about them and, you know, try and bring the awareness of this being stolen land and colonized land to the people that I teach um, and just acknowledging the presence of those ancestors that are here making offerings. We just had a Samhain ceremony not long ago and we were making offerings to the ancestors of the land here. Um, and, you know, like also making actual connection with living Abenaki people and um, talking to them and learning from them about, you know, what that means and, you know, thinking about what would it mean for me to, um, to, give, to give land access back to those folks who have lost so much, um, you know, because I have this incredible place that perhaps there's some way that it can be shared or offered up in some way. Um, and then the other question, sorry, what was your other question? 
sorry, pharmacist, the last one, language. Language. Yeah, so uh, there are quite a few different uh, forms of Gaelic and um, Welsh, and there's uh, many languages that I don't speak, sadly, um, would love to learn. Um, if I had some extra time, I would do that for sure. I think, if anything, I would, well, it would be a, it would be a, a tie between Welsh and Irish Gaelic. Well, maybe Scots Gaelic, too. <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, so yes, of course, there's so much culture tied up in language, and so if we can, um, if we can actually learn that, that only deepens our understanding of these traditions and cultures from which they come. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know the the whole idea of Celtic is such a big mash pot of many different tribes and languages and cultures, and so um, there's no one there's no one tribe or culture or language that is druid. It's many. Thank you, Fern. Um, I'll probably connect with you later. Thank you for answering all those questions. Thank You're you welcome. Thank you for being with us today. Pam, I'm, I'm done. Thanks for letting okay. me Okay. Okay, Alicia. <laughs> Thanks. Well, Fern, this has been an amazing, amazing time together with you, and I just... Um, I just, you know, don't know how to thank you enough, but I'm just so grateful for this. I, as I said earlier, I just think this is so appropriate for us to be talking about this during these times and that we all need to bring more prayer into our lives and um, just to kind of bring us back into that center point. So thank you very, 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 very much. And I also want to thank all of the callers that are on today and from all over the place. Um, and other countries as well, and thank you all for joining us. This is recorded, so you can find the recording on our website, and we also uh, do have it in podcast form, so that will be um, put into podcast soon, and it's on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts, so you can listen to it there as well. And um, then next month in December on the 13th, we will have Zigola Piopo uh, with us, and she will be sharing songs of nature, expressions of co-creative partnerships through, through song. And um, Fern actually mentioned that as a way of praying. And Zigola happens to be uh, an amazing uh, song weaver, and she will share with us some of that. Uh, the other thing I want to mention to everybody is that this we're coming up towards the end of the year, which is usually fundraising time, and after Thanksgiving, we have Giving Tuesday. I think it's a Tuesday, Giving Tuesday. And so we will be participating in that event, and we will also begin our, our fall slash beginning of winter fundraiser. And you can donate. You can become a member, which would be awesome which helps support the work that one does, which brings you these free teleseminars. And not only does it support the work of one, of what we're doing with trying to you know, bring education about co-creative partnership and uh, being close to the land and communicating with the land and with nature and all of that, but it's, it's, you're also really supporting the earth. And that's primarily what, what you would be doing. So we really invite you to join us during this fundraising time of the year and, and become a member. And um, if you've you know, got a, a little pile of cash sitting around, you can do some donating as well. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that to everybody. 
So thank you all again so much for being with us, and be sure to tune in to us next month because that's going to be another great uh, teleseminar. We also have a great newsletter, so you could become a member and receive our newsletters as well. So thank you again, everyone, for being here today, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye-bye.